Hi and welcome to the podcast, you're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Troy Conrad, who was one of the founders of The Set List Show, famously uh, improvised comedy show which travels around the world and which I am a big fan of. Uh, we had a really interesting conversation in the lobby of the hotel, the Sofitel, at the LA Podcast Festival. I hauled him aside and we had a, a quick and interesting dirty chat about, about words and things and cross-cultural communication and the differences that we have and that was great I really enjoyed it I've had a couple of new Patreon subscribers since the podcast festival so thank you if you have subscribed on Patreon um, you can give me money a little bit of money a dollar two dollars five dollars ten dollars if you like this podcast and think it's worth something to you, what it does for me is it helps me buy tea for my guests and it helps me fund the the podcast hosting. So it, ho- it costs a certain amount to host the podcast. The more listeners I have, the more it costs to host. And so it just means that this podcast doesn't cost me money to make uh, if you help support me in that way. It also means I have more time to do the other things that I do in terms of writing for SBS Comedy, if you like reading my columns, if you like, uh, if you want to read my stuff, you can also read my blog at Patreon. You don't have to pay to get access to that. It's just patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. I write things up there about the life that I live and ideas that I'm wrestling with, if you're interested in that. Otherwise, just email me on alicerfraser at gmail.com. That's a good way to get in contact with me. If you would like to come see my show The Resistance in Melbourne please do if you can't afford a ticket let me know and we'll figure something out you're having tea with Alice Troy tell me tell me uh, who you are tell me what you're drinking you're having tea with Alice hi uh, I am drinking uh, a beverage I've just discovered uh, because there's some promotional people here giving out a thing called Aria A-R-Y-A it is a curcumin no, I think no sugar in this thing. It's a, it's like a soda that tastes amazing, and there's no fake sugar in it. It's not like there's a, you know, a saccharin or a, a, what's it, a sucralose or all that. It's literally just turmeric and uh, maybe some vitamin C or something. But it's unbelievable. I think I've had seven of them. I've had a bunch of them too, partly because there's no water around here. Yeah, there's, they took out the water because they, they thought, hey, let's make everybody buy water because that's on a what? hot day in L.A. It was boiling hot in L.A. I realized why no one walks here because there were two buses that I c- caught. Um, so the first time today is, uh, is today is the first time I caught a bus here because oh. I've been here for a couple of days. I arrived on Friday. First day I got a lift. Second day I got a lift. Yeah. Third day I thought I could get an Uber or I'll try the buses, right? Uh, and there was two buses, and I thought, well, there's one long bus that comes to La Cienega, which is the big road yeah. that runs here. And then there's a short bus, and I got off the long bus, and I thought, I'll just walk. It's like 35 minutes. And I got to the end of that 35-minute walk, and I was like, oh, this is why everyone drives. It's just so hot. Yeah, it's, it's brutal hot. By the way, you can't call a if, – if you're getting on a regular city bus and it's short, you can't refer to it as the short bus in America. Oh, Do you not have that I in Australia? I mean, the short trip on the bus? No, we don't right. have that in Australia. Okay, you don't. So if you say, <laughs> all right, so <laughs> this is great. The, <laughs> if you say in America a reference to a short bus, that automatically means mentally challenged, mentally oh, disabled. Interesting. 
so that is they're almost the same thing. Like, oh, is that a oh, short bus thing? Uh, okay, that's so that's for mentally uh, disabled people. Okay. See, this is the thing about uh, language stuff is that yeah. so many local there's so many local <laughs> insults, and if you take away one insult, people will just use something else <laughs> as a, a euphemism for an insult. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. But like, uh, no, I mean obviously people can understand, but but yeah, you would never want to say, oh yeah, I took the short bus here because. That's what someone would say as an answer. Oh, did you take the short bus here? Like, that's a thing when you're in seventh grade. Uh, uh, that's what you say. It's like the R word. Uh, what's the R? Retard? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't s- Now, wait, hold on. Uh, so, in the UK, I know there's a difference. You can't say retard, but you... Or you can say retard, but you can't say the word spastic. We don't even use that word in America. Like, we don't... Well, in Australia, until relatively recently, there was the Spastic Society, which was the... Really? Which was the fundraising sort of charity. That wow, was that's interesting. Sort of the special interest group for people who had sort of uh, illnesses with that kind of... Because it's a, it's a medical term, that spasticity. It's a medical... But, but like, w- so when, you know, we used to have a term spaz, mm. which was short for that. But it meant like you're just a little hyper. Like, hey, don't be a spaz. Like, it never meant anything derogatory. Which so is, well, it's sort of very it, slightly derogatory, but not in that really... It's not a killing word. Right, right, right. No, it, I mean, it meant like... Yeah, like, hey, don't be... It was like regular television. It was, hey, don't be such a spaz. Yeah. Like, but it didn't... It it had no relation to someone who actually has actual medical spaz. It, it just meant, like, oh, you're a little hyper. So yeah. it became, wrongly so, it became the, the word just, oh, you're hyper today. Yeah. yeah, I had a lot of coffee. I'm a little spastic or I'm a little spaz. Yeah. But you can't do that overseas. No, you can't. But, but nobody would ever know that here. Like, I, me- I remember because... Well, exa- I mean, in Australia, there's one that's uh, just... It is a killing word in, in uh, the UK. So, in Australia, like, people of Lebanese or Italian, uh, Greek extraction, sort of Mediterranean-ish, yeah. that type of person, when they came over, there was the wogs. They were called wogs. Never heard of the wogs. It, it's, it's not a thing. It's just a local Australian thing. It's not a thing okay. in America at I all. Gotcha. But in the UK, wog is short for gollywog. And is a killing word. It and is what is a gollywog? It is the N word for really black people in the UK. A gollywog uh, is like a doll, a black doll. You know those black dolls with the hair and the sure. very red lips. That's that's oh what they're called. Oh my god! There used to be a gollywog biscuit. Wait, that that here there is a word for that here, but I don't even know what it is because I, I remember like there was a, a word for that. I know what you're talking about. A, a, like the real racist looking dolls, right? Yeah, they're just properly the character ah. the, the big big round hair and the big yeah uh, that, that used to be oh my god but that, the it's sort of that interesting thing of is it racist in isolation so in australia to call someone a wog is is only v- not even particularly derogatory hmm. i don't think that's so weird that we like just it as might comics be if someone said to it to you in a mean way but it w- just in and of itself, it's something that like used to be. There is a comedy group called the Wogs on Tour. It's a. It's just a. That's interesting. I, I think our brains are sort of like we we're so unevolved, right? Like we make language mean everything and context mean nothing. So I think that if you are a racist person and then you say these things like a wog or what is it, polywog? A uh, gollywog. Gollywog. If you say that and you're a racist person, like, well, of course, the, the, we know what you mean. But if you're a comedian, I don't know, I don't know any racist comedians. I don't know any comedians who are like, you know what? I hate everybody except my ra-. like. There's if, very few. So if a comedian says that, like, they're just using it. They're not. They're not. Um, they're not deep down. Like, you know what's in their heart, right? So if someone, if you know what what's in their heart, 
and they say something like that, there should be no like, hey, you said a word. Yeah, I think there's sort of there's two really interesting arguments to be made on that, and like, or maybe three. There's a lot of different arguments, but one is uh, that. You can't know what's in someone's heart, and so this idea that you no, know, using you these can. words is sort of wearing on people, and and you know it, it feeds into a culture. That I don't right, necessarily right, agree with that. With that. Sort of I, I get that. I've heard that argument. Yeah, boring and depressive in the way that heat is oppressive. Just like ugh, stupid. Right. Enough. But I th- I don't think that's a great argument because you know it's no, the it's same argument, argument as you make for destigmatizing a word, using it enough that it right. loses its sting. You can say people should more people should use it. In fact, I want I want everyone who is not racist to use this word so that then it's no right. longer the, you know what i mean i would like everybody to use this word to refer to me then it doesn't mean anything anymore because it's not only being used by racist or in a racist way like i think that would be an equally powerful argument for yeah why you know that that word hurts me why because you know mean people say it so why doesn't all nice people say it as well i mean why not <laughs> It's as good a re- it's a, it's a, as good a way to deal with it as saying no one can say it because then the racists will still say it. Right. Yeah, that's true. But th- then you know who they are. I feel <laughs> like that. Like, don't curb language. Let people. Then you know who everyone is, right? And you you can see what's in their heart, obviously by how they mean it. Um, yeah, and also yeah, I think there isn't it, things aren't hurtful unless there's an inequality in society that those things are pointing to. It wouldn't be right. rude to call someone a spaz if people with disabilities were treated equally. Oh, let me wait. Let me think about that. If, if people with disabilities were treated equally, right, right, but that comes from right, and that comes from people that then you know what's in people's hearts, the way they treat people, right? Yeah. So like when you see someone who's, but he, see, here's the weird catch with that: you see somebody who actually is like, let's say they devoted their entire life to working with disabled people who have whatever m- you know medical spasticity is, right? Like some something that has that. And then they say the word, and if they're a famous person, they their whole lives can be ruined for saying the word. But they devoted twenty years at a at a job where they could have taken twenty times more money. This is a what CEO my most recent hour had a, a long oh, thread did you really? through there because my granny was one of these people who was. Uh, I talked about it on stage last night. She'd say terrible things about every race and every creed and every everyone. She just yeah. would say the most. But you can't trust the Greeks, whatever it was. <laughs> but about everyone. And it was so lovely, so generous. She helped people without question. Oh, that's interesting. She would let people come and stay in her house for months. Huh. She would feed everyone. She worked in Paddy's Markets, which wow. is sort of the Chinatown in Sydney. Yeah. She had all these Chinese friends. But, you know, she would do the slanty eyes thing that is so unacceptable. And <coughs> because they thought it was hilarious. But that to you're saying to them. To them and with and, them. And, and they were in on it, like, they that that's funny. They thought it was hilarious, yeah. Oh, but see, I don't she see how you could ever... She would just point at something but so that she wanted and say something that sounded Chinese to her. Oh, and God, they would just funny. give it to her. Oh, because, my God, that's hilarious. Because she would, you know, she'd look after their shop for them. If they were sick, she would go out of her way for them. Uh, whoever you, it was. They should have... Anyone. So for someone like that, they should have special wristbands that are issued. <laughs> and they, and then they, they, you say it and they check for the wristband. They go, oh, it's okay. She's cool, everybody. She's cool. She's got the wristband. Because you know it's it's a it's a wristband connected to your heart. Yeah. And so you know it's because your granny is obviously you knew it was in her heart. You are are like confirming she was a very good person. She was in, a very in action, good person. Help better to have her on the planet than have her off the planet. Yeah, absolutely. But then somebody comes along and goes, "Hey, uh, we got to lock up your granny. She did the slanty-eyed thing, 
And, uh, and it was like, oh, well, she can't help people anymore? No, she's got to be locked up. She said the word. But the word didn't have an effect on anyone? Yeah, I know, but we don't like the word. That's yeah. the crazy, like, end game of that, and yeah. it makes me crazy. It's, it is a really interesting cultural phenomenon because I feel like it's, it's coming from a good... No, it's not always coming from a good place, even. But I think it originally mm. came from a good place, and now, oh. now it's being used by people who just want power. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Even in just just small social situations, they see an opportunity and they'll take power. Yeah. But then, you know, the whole idea, like the underlying idea that we should be kinder to each other is a lovely one. Yeah. People should be considerate of other people's feelings. That's a really nice idea, but it's become a tool. It's become a weapon and people have weaponized that argument in a way that can shut people down. It has a really, um, there's this term that they use in kind of uh, legislation and lobbying, a chilling effect. Yeah, yeah, we it have It has a chilling effect sure. on speech, and, and, and yeah. that's, an, that's a bad thing for society. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bad thing in the long run. And But in the short term, we all think, oh, it's so much better now. We're all safe now because we protected ourselves from this language. Well, everybody has, um, we all have all these, like, we have positives and things root in our DNA. We have... Um, uh, everyone has the dark things that we don't like about humanity. Everyone has, in our since we were single-cell organisms, there is groupism, which is actually racism, but group, you know, you divide off in the a... Tribalism. In cell, sure. You divide off in, in a group of cells, and now you've you got to protect yourself from the other group next to you that divided off. Like, that's how early it goes. And so we have that, but then we deny that we have that. And then, it, again, it, it, the logical extent is... We pretend that we can cure that with language. Like, no, that's in our DNA. Yeah. The best way to cure it is to, to get it. it out with language because that's world peace. If everyone's just operating on racist language or um, what, what's the word, just like bigoted language, and, and that's as far as, it, like, there's no war, it's just language. Yeah. Oh, my God, guess what? Nobody gets hurt yeah. except there's words people don't like. Cool. I'll take words over actual war and murder that happens all the time. Well, you see this sort of backlash to that. And it, one of the problems, I think, and I sort of talked about this before, I think, I'm not sure if I've talked about it on the podcast, is that the only people who are talking about certain topics, because now certain topics have become, like, loaded and oh tense. You know, you can't bring up a, an argument or even... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You can't suggest or you can't say, oh, let's do a thought experiment, because even the thought experiment is off the table. What? I never heard of this. You, I mean, you can. So oh, you mean, oh, I see. So you mean, you don't mean in general a thought experiment. You mean, hey, let's do a thought, let's experiment, do a thought experiment on something and, and just that so idea of that. So you could take a pill to stop you being gay. Would you still, you know, oh. so you say this, you know, on... And it's oh. not you can't make that argument. You can't you can't even have the thought the like thought the question is like oh. that it's offensive in that's inherently. so weird. It's still words though. It's yeah, interesting. I've, I've how used that as a there are more and loaded I d- ones. And I I've, do get I've it. I do one. get that. Um, I get why we do that because we are trying to be sensitive. And what happens is we're victims of evolution. We're victims of we've evolved so highly in society where we all have we have enough food and clothing and shelter and we it's like maslow's hierarchy of needs like we have all that and now we're like hey we consume self-actualization we consume podcasts and self-help and workshops and we do all this stuff right a lot of people do and we're we're getting so like basically like much of the world is getting so high up in the ladder of self-fulfillment that we go hey we're above everything now. Like language, now we just need to eliminate all the language things in our lives. And it's like, no, actually, that's not the solution to it. Solution is to make sure that 
other people aren't killing each other over stuff. Yeah, maybe bring other people up to this point and then worry about this kind of super right. hyper. It's a li- you, that's a really good way to put it, and it made me think of like you know the s- really refined historical Japanese courts, where I like just everything was really like any t- it was so refined and cultured that any like if you left a thing in the, a different place or you put a flower in a certain way, it had this just this meaning and and. And so we've we've because we have this luxury and we have the time to think about it and worry about it, we've imbued these words or whatever even topics with meaning. So they're so really heavy. Even to talk about it makes you a particular kind of person. And so then the only people who are openly talking about certain topics are the right wing, and that's where you get the alt right who are fighting for this kind of freedom of speech and small government and all of like that. Like is a weird thing, isn't it? it that is. it's the right that's fighting for that. That is true. Yeah, it's, it's You're right about that. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's the right. The right. So that. So I guess that's true here too. I'm sure. It's right in Australia. Yeah. So the right are the ones who are actually doing something that the left we would consider valuable, yeah. but but not on the surface. I don't know. It's hard to figure well, out. But it's, really it is weird good when it's a fringe, but when it's in power. I mean, it starts censoring language and stuff. It's and then become, this, it or it help. has become just, it's oh, just executing so all of the things that powerful people do, that which is, is so interesting. you have cultural power and then you start using it. Right, right. And you, and you think, I'm doing something great. Like. I'm going to make a law that nobody can say this list of 5,000 words. My favorite... But in the um, 60s, that was the right wing doing that. Like, and you right. were argue, we were arguing yeah. for you know, our right to say, so you know, say what we wanted because it was what we wanted to say. Yeah. But we don't it's, want them to say what they want to say. It's a weird flip-flop, right? And, and the, thing, the thing is, uh, so uh, my favorite movie is Pleasantville. It's the mo- when I was, and uh, when I was in college, we did a whole like thing on Pleasantville. It was so fascinating because uh, that movie is a, there's a whole scene about this, like where they they go to. Do you have you seen this film? Yes. Okay. So they go to he goes to play the. They give a list of songs you're no longer allowed to play because they're deemed offensive and they upset the pleasant nature of the society of Pleasantville. And so somebody plays something on the jukebox, and they're like, oh, stop, you can't play that anymore. And there's this like shame that was just created. It's artificially created. It's this beautiful moment of the film where they have to, like, un- somebody runs and unplugs a jukebox. And so, so someone artificially created shame around that thing. Yeah. And then the key word is artificially. And then they run. Everyone's excited now to be the enforcer, run and unplug that jukebox. And then he, he goes... No, and Toby Maguire, lead character, goes, no, 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 you don't, you can play that song. You don't have to do that. Yeah. You don't have to listen to that. And and it's, it's such an amazing, powerful film when you look at what the meaning is behind everything. It's really fascinating. Yeah, I like. Yeah, it's a really, it is a really good movie. I like it a lot. I'm sure at some point, it's going to happen to me as well because I make a career of walking this line of of. I mean, all comedy is to a certain extent treading a line because otherwise it's not funny if it's not if it's not close to the edge of what people are allowed to say. Yeah. Or maybe slightly over, but like hanging over with a rope behind you, like you're just leaning over the line, but your toes are still on the right side of the line. And you need a lot of people to give you a lot of, of trust in yeah. the room. But as I'm getting, like I've just had my first special picked up but for television, free-to-air television Australia. Oh, you did? Amazing. Yeah, which is very exciting for me. But it does mean that I no longer am in a room with people I trust. I can't feel the the room under my feet. And so I am inevitably going to get in trouble because I'm not interested in saying things that are easy to say. 
and of course I'm going to cross the line. Of course I'm going to say something wrong. Of course I'm going to on uh, I'm going to get the tone wrong or the inflection wrong, and the thing I'm trying to say will come across as the opposite. I won't be sarcastic enough, or you know whatever it is. If yeah. I'm trying to make fun of a position, or even just explore a position and what's right and wrong about it. Yeah. Like that is not something that I'm going to get away with forever. So at some point I'm going to be the bad guy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But okay. So. A great example, I just watched last week uh, Doug Stanhope's newest special called No Place Like Home. It's on, right now, it's exclusively on the CISO network, right? Oh, but I'm sure Sunny down Jay and Randy as well. They're a great network. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. And, and you know, uh, that that is the best special I've ever seen and is also the most, by far, by far, the most over the line on everything. And yet you find yourself still laughing and sometimes you don't want to laugh. Like you go, I'm not laughing at that because that is way. And but you can't help it. Like it's just he is truly funny. And I, I've known him for a long time. I know his heart, right? So that goes back to that conversation. Like, and I think most people know his heart. Yeah. Um. But man, the things he he talks about and gets away with. It's so beautiful to see that to see funny meet offensive uh, for everyone. I don't mean just like, oh, he's going to offend some people. Like, no, everyone, 100% of people, no matter how much you're like, you go, oh, I'm one of those people. I just don't get offended by anything. Nothing shocks me. No, you're going to be offended, but you're going to laugh. And so then you eventually you won't be. Yeah. I like it's really amazing to see. It's almost like a, a like a science laboratory of seeing <laughs> to, how to you, watch how, how you confronted. Yeah. To watch how confronted you can be, and then you somehow, you get over you. I mean, I, I, I feel like, God, I love that guy. Like, I think most people watching yeah, it, like... he's very likable, very lovable. Oh, he's, yeah, he is super, yeah, he is that way. Yeah, and then also, like, I think you won't, you don't really know an, until it's already happened when you've crossed the line. Right. So people but talk about you behind your back But you have to put it all out there, and it sounds like face. you did that with your special. Like, you have to put it all out there. You can't go, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. People are going to be offended, like... No, you know what? Let the chips fall. Be who you are. And he even has a bit about that, like kick how you kick. As if you're playing soccer, you 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 don't kick how someone t told you to. That goes against your nature. If you have an amazing way you kick, kick how you kick. It's a great message. It he is has a good it. message. I yeah. like that message. I should watch that. Uh, I don't know. I I have to watch it tomorrow because I'm only in America for another day. But another uh, day. Another That's day. incredible. One more day. I just came in for the weekend well, uh, to for the podcast festival. It's, which a, is great. it's been a real treat seeing you. It's so it's so great. And thank you for playing uh, Todd Glass's mom for people listening. Um, Todd <laughs> Glass. The Todd Glass show was was just uh, on, and I always do bits every year here for at the podcast festival for the for for the show. And he mentioned up top. He goes, "Oh, my mom is." Uh, you know, he goes, "Oh, my mom is only 50. And then he kept trying to make his mom younger and younger and. And so I thought it'd be really fun to get someone really young to go up there <laughs> as his mom. And I grabbed you and you went up and it was fantastic. It was it so was much fun. So I drew fun. on big black eyebrows so that I could look like Todd Glass. Yeah. And uh, so I like the idea that his mom's up there looking like, I don't know, what, I don't know if you're like 22. Are you 23? Yeah, okay, you're older than that. Okay, I, all right. That. Well, you look uh, extremely young and I thought that is it played well for the bit. <laughs> Clean living. That's right. Drink uh, some of this. Drink a uh, Arya, the turmeric beverage. Turmeric beverage. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, and you've done a lot of stuff at the moment. I mean, you, I love you because you made Setlist happen in my life. Which Thank is, you. Uh, do you want to tell the listener a little yeah, bit about Yeah, Paul Provenza and I have a show called Setlist where, uh, you, well, it was, I don't know, they, they still appar apparently rerun it once in a while on ABC too. 
Yeah. Um, but it is a show where a comic gets a list of weird topics they've never seen, and they act like that's their act. So they're getting these things one at a time. They go on stage, and audience sees everything at the same time the comic does, and they just roll with it. They flash it up on the screen that's facing the audience, and you can see it out of the corner of your eye. So you see the next thing that's on quote, your set list. Yeah. Uh, and I love it. I love doing it. I love doing it whenever I am feeling creatively stuck. Yeah. Because you just, because the adrenaline just, fu- and you have to make new jokes on the fly and then you come off, and I've never come off stage at set list and not written at least three yes. sticky jokes. Okay, I'm three glad. Three jokes that have stayed with me. For I'm glad to hear you say that because that is by design and it's meant to, so it's the same thing that it triggers. It triggers your fight or flight mechanism but the like the right if there is such a thing the writing version the yeah. creative version of the very your specific fight or flight. version that goes you need to make something funny now. yeah exactly exactly and so uh, so when you get if you've ever been in a fight your your body is shaking and you have all this adrenaline and your brain does one thing your brain retraces everything and goes you know what if I would have just ducked thin and then done uppercut, or I wish I would have grabbed the person and tackled them. Like, your brain does that. Yeah. Um, I was in a fight, by the way, in the seventh grade, uh, <laughs> so I remember this very clearly still. And there's a reason for that, because that is etched in your memory. The same thing with set lists. So when you're done, um, the benefit is anything that you feel like, ah, oh, I didn't really do that great on that bit, that's good for you, because yeah. you're, you're now flooded with all this, like, oh, what could I have done differently? And your brain works that out. And, o- I mean... Also, for me, it's really useful because I forget that I'm funny. I, I uh, wasn't funny to start with. I became funny by hard work. Uh-huh. And so I, then I rely on my jokes because I think, well, I know the jokes work, but I don't know that I am inherently funny. And so I go up and I can, you know, you pull it out of thin air and then you, remi- you remember that you've got more leeway and more room and you put more space into your set and you feel, yeah, I can take risks because I know I can save it because I can save it in those, in those circumstances. Yeah. And I loved getting... You look at a tree and you're like, that's what's funny about that tree because you've just come off stage. Yeah, yeah. You're, it, it, so it's, it's reshaping your lens. Like I'm a photographer, right? I'm, I do that also. And it's the, the same thing. skills. Yeah, well, it's the same thing. It's the same skill. You're, in photography, you're using different lenses to, get, to see things differently. And that's what every comic has a lens. It's the point of view. It's, that's, what, that's what we like about comics. You know what the point of view is of Louis C.K. on a certain thing. You know what the point of view is of whoever, of, of Will Anderson on a certain thing, you know? Mm. And it's, it's really an amazing, um, amazing parallel between the two. And so set list is just sharpening your lenses. Like there's, you, you just get more lenses and you start to, you know, what's funny about, what can you, what a tree, what can you, I mean, obviously we wouldn't use that as a topic, tree, um, but it could be just that yeah. would really throw someone off. Like, what do I mean, you do with tree? That's sometimes what my set list looks like. Right, but but you know what that means. Yeah. So, but on set list, you don't know what the thing. Like, you have to provide all the context for a thing. You know, like, yeah. like um, it's it, it could be a little more loaded than the word tree, but it, it often also is could quite be. And quite by the loaded. way, sometimes we give people uh, foreign languages that a- absolutely no one in the room knows what the words are. Yeah, it's and just an open offer. So, basically. Wh- what do you do with that? We had a guy. I remember um, one time Mark Marin was, it was like his first time on set list and he was watching, it was in Montreal and he was watching the person before him. And the person before him got a topic that was, um, it was just, if you hit your keyboard and you make just randomly, you make letters and it's all consonants in a mm. row. And that's what it was. 
And I decided I want to give that to somebody. And I don't remember who it was, but Mark is watching this. And then he sees that come up on the screen. He comes to me backstage. He goes, hey, man, what, what the fuck are you giving this guy? What is this? What is this shit? <laughs> and I go, Mark, I go, let's see what he does with it, okay? Because it's not about the topic. It's about what you do with it. Yeah. And I go, I'll tell you what. I'll make you a deal. If this comic doesn't have anything to say on this, I will just for, for this, I will take responsibility. And I'm the asshole. And he goes, uh, okay. And he kind of nods yeah. at me. Okay. Like he can't wait. So he crosses his arms and he's watching. And the guy ends up doing a great bit on it. It's about, you know, his cat writing some of his jokes, walking across the keyboard. And he goes, and it's amazing how it, and he had this whole thing on it. It was so funny. And then Mark turns to me and goes, okay, man. All right. <laughs> oh, I, I get it. Like, and it was great. It was a great moment. It's the thing. And you can't prepare for it because you, you don't know what the. T the you Open so yourself up to the world. I stand back uh, side of stage or backstage um, and I go before set list. I think, who are you? Who am I? Like, I just r try to be, like, try to just remember who I am because how would yeah. I do a joke? That's exactly joke what you're is, supposed to do. It's how I would make, I how I would have, you know, obviously it's part of my set that I've been doing for years. So that's exactly the joke it. that I would have done on that. The approach is, there's two approaches. One, uh, and I won't say right or wrong way, I'll say there's one way that works really well and one way that I've seen, in my experience, does not work well. The way that worked well is to do what you said. Th I've been doing this for 10 years. That's the premise of the show. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this act on the road for 10 years, even though you've never seen it. <laughs> the other way that doesn't- I think doesn't most people who know comedy know set list. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, no, a lot of people, yeah, we've had so many comics in so many countries do it. I, I think people are familiar with it, but what, sometimes people forget this. They go on stage and they're going, what joke can I write about that? And if you do that, you're thinking of, you're, you're going backwards. Mm. Like you're, you're gonna have a lot harder time to go, what can I write? It's not a writing, if it was a writing, it would give you a little, like, a little time and go write some stuff. Cool, that's a different part of the brain. But when you're pretending that you're already an expert on that thing, that's, that's the sweet spot. That's a different part of your brain. As long as you can trust, you can get to that, and it's gonna be fine. Well, I really, really love Setlist because I started in improv um, oh, at university. Yeah. Nice. And one of my massive problems was looking uh, too confident. Like, I've got this, it's fine. Really? Oh, so people man, would assume that's that not I'd a problem. scripted something or that I'd prepared oh, something. Oh, 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 I see. And, yes. and in Australia, I don't know how it's played here, but there's, there's a, a fun game that most acts play where they show the doubt in their eyes, they show the struggle, they show oh, the. Oh, yes, yes, and yes. And that's a great thing to do, and I've kind of got better at doing that when it's when it's true wow. because I have this quite defensive I think because I had uh, you know some difficulties growing up my automatic reaction to sort of fear is to get really neutral in the face and not show any reaction until I know what the right reaction is so t taking that away on stage and rem reminding myself to show how I'm feeling in my eyes is really useful but it's, it's, I don't need to do that on set list because everybody knows you're making it up on the spot so the more confident you are and the smoother you look out the gate then the better you are yeah the better it is. yeah you, you absolutely you walk out there like you own the place yeah and th everything's gonna be fine if you do that Matt Kirshen's great at it oh so is Will God. Anderson uh, Will Anderson is absolutely Matt Matt, we just had on the show last night here in Los Angeles, and it was it was he was unbelievable. I mean, he's always one of those people we can count on. And Will is just this like a, he's like the lightning bolt of set lists. Like he just like literally he doesn't do one joke on the topic. Oh he does eight. God. 
he made one time. I know that one time we just gave him like uh, um, we used to give a lot of acronyms. We gave him just T period T period T period T period. It was like my it was like my motto T period T period. And we don't know what that is. There's that's not a real thing. And he turned it in to this bit on Mr. T. That was <laughs> the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. Like, it literally had people, people were gasping for air. People were choking. I mean, I, we, I was sweating. Like, just, it, it was like, please stop, because someone's going to have a heart attack. It was that. Like, but all it was is a, the letter T four times. Like, yeah. But, again, it's not about the topic. It's about what you do with it. And there's always possibilities within everything. Yeah, I th- I love it. I love it. I love it. And you've done a similar thing with the like pretending to be an expert. You have a show called Prompter. Yeah. And that's uh, imp- that's TED Talks improvised from a broken teleprompter. Which is great. Um, and uh, it's really fun. So you you don't know it's all improvised because you don't know what it is the screen goes blank, weird things come up, and it's a super fun show. So um, that's it's it's using a slightly different part of the brain, but it's very much even even more so using the hey, I'm an expert, everybody, and I know more than anybody in this room. It's using that part of your personality. Yeah. And that's, so the more you have of that, the better. That's great. Yeah. I love it. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, people can find me. Uh, let's see. Well, right now, I do a lot of stuff on Instagram, so that's probably my number one thing that I use a lot because I have a lot of my photography up there. It's, it's Troy Conrad's with an S at the end. But everything else, I'm just Troy Conrad. So it's um, just the Instagram that there's an extra The Instagram S. I put the S on. What somebody idiot are, got it? Somebody got it. Oh. I actually know the guy. Um, there's another Troy Counter that lives in my city oh, of all places. Boo. And we're, he's 10 years younger than me. We look alike. Uh, we, our baby pictures look identical. We found each other online like many years ago. Oh, you're and we just like, versions of each other. It's really strange. Yeah, it's really weird. Like we, like, we eventually like he wrote and he's like hey man i get email for you sometimes like oh i get email for you like sometimes it'll say hey here's that footage of you doing glow sticks last night and it's like man did i get super drunk (laughs) and not remember that i'm an amazing glow stick dancer (laughs) uh it turns out no it's another guy that that looks like me a younger (laughs) a slightly younger version of me and uh so we've you know we end up forwarding stuff to each other but it's just crazy that is amazing. Well, look up Troy Conrad on everything except Instagram Troy Conrad's thing. Yeah. Tea with Alice. Hey, thanks. This was a blast. <laughs> <laughs>